All right, at this time, we are going to continue in the series that we started a couple weeks ago on the tipping point. And uh, I'm not going to preach. This is a video series um, given by a man down in, uh, a, a pastor, an associate pastor down at Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. And uh, we're going to talk about today, truth at the tipping point. And uh, we'll just turn it over to Jimmy Evans. This message is called Truth at the Tipping Point. And I want to talk about the falling away from Judeo-Christian values and from biblical morality that we're seeing uh, in the society around us and how that is one of the major signs of the end times. It's a major prophecy that we're given in the Bible, specifically in the book of 2 Thessalonians. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, every chapter in 1 Thessalonians mentions the return of Christ. Okay, But in chapter 4... Uh, we're asking you to turn there. First Thessalonians 4, verse 15. Here we have the clearest description in the Bible of the rapture of the church. Now, Jesus is going to give us another very clear description. In just a minute, we're going to read the scripture. But the rapture of the church is when Jesus returns. And there, there will be, by the way, uh, a group of people who never die. If you're alive when Jesus comes, it means you will never die. Now, before our time, before this generation, 100% of the people that lived died, except for Enoch and Elijah, and I'll talk more about that next week. But there, everyone died. But there will be a group of people on the earth that don't die. I want to be one of those people, don't you? I, I want to I be one of those people that just goes right straight to heaven, don't have to go through the grave to get there. But this describes the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, that's the word rapture, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, caught up is one Greek word, harpazo, but it's the Latin word repere, and that's where we get our word rapture, but it's found right here. And according to First that's, or First Corinthians 15, it happens in the twinkling of an eye, which is one fortieth of a second. It happens faster than you can think it. All of a sudden, we are going to be going from here into the presence of Jesus. That's the rapture of the church, and I believe that it could happen at any time. It's one of the next major prophetic events to happen in the world. But when Paul wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians, it upset a lot of people because when he wrote the book, there was a, a rumor going around in Thessalonica that the rapture had already come and they had been left behind. Well, that would, that would upset you, you know, to think that you, you, know, you didn't get chosen to go. So the book of 2 Thessalonians was written a few weeks after the book of 1 Thessalonians. Turn to 2 Thessalonians 2 if you would. And so in the book of 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul is trying to comfort the saints in Thessalonica. And what he's trying to say to them is, Jesus hasn't come yet and you haven't been left behind. And he's now giving us a graphic panoramic view of what the world will look like when Jesus returns. And we're going to look at three scenes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul is talking about the end times. Scene 1 is a world in rebellion to God with the man of sin, the Antichrist, ready to lead them. That's where I believe we are today. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen to the words of Paul. 
Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, capital D, day, the return of Christ, will not come unless the falling away, that's the word apostasia in the Greek, apostasy, unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so the apostle Paul is saying, hey, don't worry, Jesus hasn't come yet. And he's not going to come until there is a worldwide falling away from truth, a rejection of biblical Christianity, a rejection of Judeo-Christian morality until that happens. And so I want to talk about this in two different ways. Now, in 2 Thessalonians 2.8, we'll read the verse here in just a minute, the Antichrist is called the lawless one. In fact, the Antichrist has many different names in the Bible, and the Antichrist is just one of the minor names that he's called. But one of the things that he's called is the lawless one. Well, the word lawless is the word anomia in the Greek language, and it means against the word of God. It means you don't believe in this. So that Jesus is the word of God, according to John chapter 1. The Antichrist will be completely antithetical to the word of God. He is anti-word of God. And so what we're seeing in the world right now, I believe, is the fulfillment of Paul's prophecy in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And let me measure this now in two ways. The falling away of the world from the truth and the falling away of the church from the truth. Let me talk about apostasy in the world for just a minute. Well, I grew up, I'm 61 years old, I grew up in a world where we prayed in my public school, there were the Ten Commandments that hung on the walls of my public school, in every public school that I went to. In my public school, every public school that I went to, there was a prayer at the beginning of every day in the name of Jesus, okay? And some of you are shaking your heads, yes, you, you remember that world. Okay, so that was the world that we grew up in. It was just a completely different world. You just assumed all your neighbors were Christians. You just assumed all your teachers were Christians, you know, like that. It was just uh, that kind of a world. In 1962, um, prayer was banned in public schools. In 1980, the uh, open display of the Ten Commandments was banned in public schools. Right now, we have a wholesale rejection of biblical morality in the society we live in. This is a pro-Christian society in a post-Bible society. The Bible is under open attack right now. There are open attacks of displays of faith in the armed forces. On February 1st of 2014, Marine Lance Corporal Monifus Sterling was court-martialed for displaying a passage of Scripture on her computer that said, no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. And she was ordered to remove it. She said she would not because it was her religious freedom to have it there. They court-martialed her. The Military Religious Freedom Foundation called for a court-martial of U.S. Air Force Major General Craig Olson because he dared to acknowledge his faith during a speech at the National Day of Prayer event. The Bible is considered hate speech by many, and there is a dramatic rise in atheism uh, in America and around the world. And so what we've seen in the world in the last, really, especially in the last 10 years, it's been going on for about 50 years, but especially in the last five years, and it's picking up steam. It's getting worse all the time. What we're seeing is just a simply an apostasy 
in the world against Judeo-Christian morality and against the Bible. It's very open. Unfortunately, we're seeing the same thing in the church. Now, Jesus prophesied, listen what I'm about to say, Jesus prophesied that when he returned, half the church would be false. Okay, it's in Matthew 25. In Matthew 24, the disciples came up to Jesus and they said, Lord, when, when is the end going to be? And he said, don't let anyone deceive you. And he gave the graphic description of the world that we live in, the world at the end, okay, Matthew 24. And then he gave three uh, parables in Matthew 25 about his return and how to prepare for his return. The first parable that he gave was the parable of the virgins. And here's where he prophesied that half the church would be false. Matthew 25, verse 1. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delaying, they all slumbered and slept, and at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. He answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now, Jesus didn't say we wouldn't know the season and we wouldn't know the signs of the times. He just said, you won't know the day or the hour. Now, there are ten virgins in this story. The bridegroom is Jesus. The ten virgins are the church in the world. And Jesus said, when I come, half the church is going to be ready when I come back. They're going to have their lamps trimmed. They're going to be ready when I come back. But half the church won't know me. Half of those who identify themselves as believers, virgins, will not know me when I come back. Well, this is, this is happening right before our very eyes in the church. Many churches and denominations are rejecting the clear teachings of the Bible. Many churches are pro-abortion and give to abortion-providing groups their money. A growing number are ordaining practicing homosexuals and, pro, and, are, and are pro-gay marriage, and this is dividing the church right down the middle right now in America and around the world. Many denominations right now are dividing right down the middle over this issue. Many do not believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Half of churches do not believe in a literal hell or a literal, literal devil. Okay, half of all. So let me say this. If the Bible is lying to us about hell, you think it's telling us the truth about heaven? And let me say this another way. If one thing in this book is wrong, how can you trust anything that it says? Did you know Jesus taught more about hell than he taught about heaven? Is Jesus is a liar? Does he know what he's talking about? I'm just telling you right now, there is a literal devil and there is a literal hell. And this book is absolutely inspired and infallible, and it is the Holy Word of God. Many churches today believe in universalism, which means that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. And you, other religions can get you there. If you're a good person, you can get there. We, our marriage today, board, we have a board member who's a pastor, and his church is... Uh, part of a very large denomination and about a month ago or so he went to a denominational meeting and at the, I'm going to I'm going to quote this as closely as I can to what he told me 
He went to this denominational meeting, and one of the main leaders of the denomination got up and made this quote. I will not define my lifestyle or my sexuality by the four corners of this book. It is time for another testament to be written that is more up-to-date and written for the times we are living in. And when he said it, it was re resulted in thunderous applause. The group that was there agreed with him wildly. And my friend, this pastor, said, I was absolutely stunned that anyone would have agreed with that statement. This is what's happening in the church today. Much of the church is true. They love Jesus. They're ready for the return of Jesus. But we're seeing many churches and denominations rejecting the clear teachings of the Bible. And so what I'm saying is, Jesus, or the apostle Paul said, listen, listen, Jesus hasn't come yet. And he's not going to come until there's a great apostasy, a great falling away from the truth. We're watching it right now, right before our very eyes. Jesus prophesied and said, when I return, half of the church will be false. And I will not know them, and they will only pretend to know me, but they don't truly know me. And I'm saying, again, I don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back, but the, world, the Bible describes the world and that will exist when Jesus returns. And I'm just saying that this world looks a lot like it. Now, this is the scene two in 2 Thessalonians that the Apostle Paul is telling us what the end will look like. This is the tipping point. This is scene two. This is the rapture of the church. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So the apostle Paul says there's going to be a great falling away from the truth. But then he who now restrains will be taken out of the way. That's the Holy Spirit in the church. The word he there is capital H. The only restraining force in the world right now is the church. Gateway Church is a restraining force in the world right now. What are restraining? Evil. The work of the devil. Marriage Today, the ministry that I lead, we are restraining a spirit of divorce in the world right now. We are acting against it. We're teaching people how to succeed in marriage. But imagine a world without a Christian in it. And that's exactly the world that's going to occur the minute the rapture happens. The instant the rapture happens, there's no more preaching on sin. There's, no one, there's not one person in the world who believes the Bible. There's not one person in the world leading a person to Christ except for the 144,000 Jews mentioned in the book of Revelation. It is a completely different world. And so the Apostle Paul says here, the restrainer is going to be taken out. This is the rapture. Now, let me say a couple of things here. The Antichrist will not be revealed till after the rapture. And people ask me all the time who I think the Antichrist is. There, unfortunately, there's just a lot of good candidates. You know, it's just, it's, it's hard to narrow it down, you know. I've got my top ten, though. Yeah. People ask me that all the time. I don't know. So, um, But this is, this is the tipping point. So this is Jesus. In Luke chapter 17, he's going to give us a graphic description of the rapture. Jesus is going to tell us just absolutely graphically the world that will exist when the rapture happens. And Jesus is going to paint us a vivid picture of the rapture. Luke 17, here's what Jesus says. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. That's interesting. 
He's saying, just like it was in the days of Noah, that's what it's going to be like when I return. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot. Okay, he's telling us again. Just like it was in the days of Lot. Okay, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he was on the housetop and his goods were in the house. Let him not go down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Right, listen, listen to this description. This is the rapture. I tell you, in that night there will be two people in one bed. The one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together or at the microwave together. The one will be taken, the other will be left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other will be left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? And so he said, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. They said, Where are they going to be taken? Jesus said, Where the eagles are. Okay. Remember, we read 1 Thessalonians that describes the rapture. It says, We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. When the rapture occurs, we all go up in the air to meet Jesus. And so Jesus said, there'll be two people in one bed. One's taken, one's gone. There'll be two people standing in a field, one taken, one gone. This is called a selective rapture. It doesn't matter if your wife or your husband's a Christian. It doesn't matter if your best friend's a Christian. It doesn't matter who you know if you don't know Jesus. Because Jesus said, I'm going to come and I'm going to take one person away and leave the other because I know who belongs to me. And so Jesus said, there's going to be a rapture, and I'm going to take you up in the air to be gathered up in the air. Well, let me say this. This, there's a, this is a pre-tribulation rapture. Let me, let me tell you why I know this. Je people ask me all the time, because when I preach these messages, the purpose of these messages is to comfort us that Jesus is coming. And the other purpose of this message is we're not going to be here during the tribulation period of time. Well, listen to what I'm saying. Jesus says uh, here, They'll be buying, selling, like the days of Noah, like the days of Lot. First of all, Noah and Lot did not go through judgment. And we're not going to either. Okay, buying, selling, marrying, and giving in marriage. Business as usual. So people say, Jimmy, should I sell all my stuff and buy money and build a bunker and buy guns and, you know, buy food and all that kind of stuff? Well, I'm just saying, no. Just the world's going to be just like this. You know, it's, and so here's what I'm saying. When you know about the the rapture. And when you know about the coming of Jesus, you just need to live your life the way you would uh, ordinarily, but just live for Jesus. Just be ready for him when he comes. In other words, go to school, get married, have kids, start your business, you know, live your life. Don't stop living, but look up. Your redemption's drawing near. Be ready when Jesus, that's all I'm saying in this whole series of messages. But in the days of Noah, there are four parallels between our generation and the generation of Noah and Lot. The first is an immoral and violent world in rebellion to God. The Bible says in the days of Noah, the world was full of violence and immorality. Is the world full of violence and immorality? Absolutely. And Lot's generation was a very, very immoral generation. The second parallel is a righteous remnant living for God. You know, there are a lot of believers in the world right now living for God. And so there's a remnant of people who are alive living for the Lord right now. The third parallel is the sudden removal of the righteous remnant. Now, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, where every chapter talks to us 
about the return of Christ, here's what Paul says repeatedly in the book of 1 Thessalonians. God has not appointed us to wrath. Okay, what, means, what he's saying there is the tribulation's wrath. It's the, the wrath of Almighty God on the world. And then when he talks about the rapture, the apostle Paul says, comfort each other with these words. Okay, let me, let me say something to you. Okay, I've read all the scriptures about the end times. I've taught about this for 33 years. There's no way in the world that you can comfort me by telling me I'm going through the tribulation. One judgment kills a third of mankind. At the end of the tribulation, there is no economy. Billions upon billions of people are dead. The world has been hit by meteors and comets. All of the life in the ocean is completely dead. When Jesus says they'll be buying and selling, marrying, giving in, in marriage, at the end of the tribulation, there's none of that going on. The world is decimated. And so we can be encouraged. And, and the last thing is catastrophic world judgment. In the days of Noah and Lot, the angels came to get Lot and his family. And here's what the angels told Lot. We can't judge this place until you're out of here. And Jesus said, it'll be just like that. So what I'm saying to you is there's a falling away from the truth happening in the world right now. And the next major event that's going to happen is the rapture of the church in the twinkling of an eye. When is it going to happen? I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but I simply know that the world looks the way it should look right now. Here's scene three. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about once the church has been removed, this is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but who had pleasure in unrighteousness. Well, let me go back to something that Jesus said about Lot's wife. Jesus said it will be just like the days of Lot, just like the days of Noah, and he's talking about all this, and he said, remember Lot's wife. Well, re remember Lot's wife? The angels came in to get Lot and his family out, and they were literally dragging them out of the city. And Lot's wife was walking along, and the Lord said, don't look back, don't look back. And she looked back and became a pillar of salt. And Jesus said, I'm coming. This is the way the world is going to look, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to leave one and take the other. Remember Lot's wife. This is Luke 21, verse 20, uh, 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. And by the way, that's the coming of Jesus, capital D Day. Listen, it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. A snare is an animal trap. And Jesus said, you be ready now when I come. And don't, don't go out and fall in love with the world. That's what the lost wife did. She loved the world more than she loved God. Okay, It will come as a snare on every person who lives on the face of the entire earth. This is a global event, Jesus says. Listen, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So Jesus said, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that come to pass and to pray before the Son of Man. So any time that you preach on the rapture, people say, you're just an escapist, but I'm, I'm a spiritual Marine. I'm ready for the tribulation. No, you're not. 
No, you're not. Here's what Jesus said. Pray that you would be worthy to escape. I'm not an escapist. I'm just doing what Jesus said. I want to escape it. I'm praying that I will escape all of those things and stand before Jesus Christ rather than going to the tribulation. But for those people who are left behind, it says the lawless one is coming with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Well, the word love, there's the word agape. It is the strongest word for love in the Bible. It means an absolute commitment. Okay, why were they left behind? Why, why were those people given over to delusion and to the deception of the Antichrist? Because they didn't love this so as to be saved. They didn't agape this right here. Okay. Well, let, let me ask you this question. What is your relationship with the Bible? Are you dating it? Are you engaged to it? Or are you married to it? What, how do you love the Bible? Because this is one of the most important questions today. See, we are being attacked because of the Bible. There's one more scripture I want to read before I close. This is Mark 8, 38, and this is what Jesus says. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous, and sinful generation of him the son of man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with his holy angels we're living in a world that is absolutely attacking jesus christ his word everything holy everything sacred and we're the people who are alive on this earth prior to the coming of jesus let me say this i want to be a wise virgin i don't want to be a foolish virgin i want to be a wise virgin and I don't want to be a person who is ashamed of Jesus and his word in this adulterous and sinful generation. Let me say this. I want to be a compassionate person, and I don't want to be self-righteous. You know, but by the grace of God, I would, I would not be a pastor. I would not even be saved. So when we see a person who's not a Christian or a person not living for God, we should be compassionate toward people. We should be gracious toward people. But we cannot give this word up for anybody. Let me say this. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus was full of grace and truth. Okay? You have full of both. He was 100% full of both of them. Let me say this. If you're not full of grace, truth without grace is surgery without anesthesia. But grace without truth is a bottle with no medicine in it. Only grace and truth together can help anybody. And if you're just a gracious person, and you're willing to give up the Bible to make a person feel better about themselves, the person who loves you the most is not the person who tells you what you want to hear. It's the person who tells you what you need to hear. And I want to be like Jesus. I want to be full of grace and truth. And so I want to look at people who are not living for God, people who are in bondage, people who are even rejecting the Word of God, and I want to love them. And I want to be compassionate with them. But I will not give this up to anybody. This is the Holy Bible. And it saved my life. And it's the word of Almighty God. And we should hold on to it and love it until Jesus comes. I want you to stand with me if you would. And I want to I pray for you. And I want you just to bow your heads. Every campus, every service, if you would stand up and bow your heads there. And, and let me pray over you. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing near. And I'm saying to all of us, our redemption is drawing near. We can go on and live our lives 
But we need to be living for Jesus. We need to be looking for the return of Jesus. And if there's sin in our lives, if there's compromise in our lives, this this is just a, a gracious opportunity from the Lord to change, to to repent, to get our lives on track. I want you to bow your heads there. Father, we come and we surrender our lives to you, to live for you. We're not ashamed of you, Jesus. We're not ashamed of your word. You you died for us on the cross. You, You hung naked in front of your mother, in front of the world to save us from our sins. We are not ashamed of you. And Lord, we prepare our hearts. We want to be wise virgins. We want to be full of grace and truth. When you come, Lord, we want you to find us ready. So Lord, right now, we just prepare our heart. We put our eyes on you. And if there's anything in our lives that's compromising us right now, we lay it down. We forsake it. Nothing is as important to us as pleasing you. And we pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Keep your head bowed there, if you would, for just a minute. And I want to give people an opportunity, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ every service, every campus. I want everybody to bow your head, close your eyes, to give people privacy. The campus pastors, the service leaders are going to be looking around. I'm going to be looking around. This is the most important moment in all of eternity for you, if you don't know Jesus. And like I said, if it's good that you grow up in a Christian family, that does not make you a Christian. But if you believe in Jesus, that does not make you a Christian. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You have to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus, not a relationship through the church, not a relationship through somebody else but your own personal relationship with Jesus. And my question to you is, have you ever made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you ever done that yourself? Have you ever invited him into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? And if you have not, you're not a Christian, but it's a free gift. And many of you are going to receive this free gift right now. And all you have to do is just to acknowledge to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm ready to acknowledge you as the Lord of my life. I'm ready to step down from the throne of my heart and invite you to be my Lord and Savior. I confess to you that I've sinned, and I confess to you that I want you to come into my heart right now and to save me from my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. It's a free gift. No one deserves it, but God gives it free to every person who asks. So every head is bowed, all eyes are closed, but I'm going to look around. The campus pastors are going to look around. If you're here right now, And you want to say, Jesus, I'm ready to invite you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. I want you to put your hand up very quickly right now and say yes to Jesus. Put your hand up right now. God bless you. God bless you right here. Put your hand up real high. Every service. God bless you up there, honey. I see up there. God bless you up there. Put your hand up real high and say yes to Jesus. Anyone who doesn't know the Lord, Just lift your hand right now. Say, Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Every campus, every service, this is the time to say yes to Jesus. If you have your hand up, you can put it down. Let me give you one more opportunity. If you haven't raised your hand, 
I want you to join those who just raised their hand to receive Christ. If you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to, put it up right now. Say yes to Jesus. Is there anybody else that you need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? Raise your hand right now and say yes to him. You put your hands down. Would you look up here at me for just a minute? And we, we want to congratulate every person who just raised your hand to receive Jesus at every campus. God bless you. It's the most exciting thing in the world. And again, this is at every campus and service and right here in this service. If you just raised your hand or you want to come, you can come as a couple. You can come as a family. You don't have to come by yourself. You can bring somebody with you. But if you just raised your hand to receive Christ or you want to come now and to do that, I want to pray over you. We want to pray a, a, a prayer over you. And right now, if you just raised your hand or you want to come, I want you to be the very first person to step out. I want you to step out, walk down to the front. Let me pray a prayer over you. Would you do that right now? Step out. If you just raised your hand, come down here. Up here. If you, ra if you raised your hand, there you go. Give him a big hand. Anybody else? You give him a big hand. There you go. There you go. If you raise your hand, tell somebody what you did and come down. God bless you, God. Come down. We'll wait for you. Every service, every campus, come on down. We'll wait for you. Come down and tell somebody what you did. We'll celebrate with you. This morning, if you feel that pulling your spirit, we want to pray Would with you as well. Would you stretch your hand so out, congregation, and let's pray for them. Jack is going to lead us in a song, and we just want to spend some time now. And, and we do open Christ, an invitation up to all of us this morning. We do need a personal revelation and a relationship with Jesus Christ. You heard a great message. So this morning, if you just want to renew that relationship with the Lord, if you want to spend any time with the Lord, I encourage you strongly encourage you this morning that none of us walk out of here this morning with any questions. If you have a doubt at all, or if you just want to renew that relationship with the Lord, this is a good time to do that. Amen? Amen.
Father, we thank you for this day now. We thank you, Lord, for your mercies and your grace. Lord, thank you for loving us so much that you told us the truth. Thank you, Jesus, that you lived the truth. Thank you that there was no compromise in your life, that there was no giving in to the Pharisees and the pressures of your day because obviously you went through many pressures, just like we go through pressures. And so, God, I pray that we would be strengthened today to live according to your holy word, Lord, with compassion, with grace, with love, and resolve, Lord, that we would stand as a convicted person, saved by the grace of God, living to the best that we can by the power of the Holy Spirit into this dark and broken world. And send us out as a light, I pray, until others would see Jesus in us. And we just commit this now to you. Commit us now to you in the name of Jesus. Throughout this day, throughout this week, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed as you go. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.